Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this meeting. Thank you for everybody gathered here. Uh, We just pray for our kids as they go to Sunday school, and we pray for this message, that these words may be yours, that everyone may see through me, and that your (coughs) scripture, that your spirit may do its work. In your name, amen. So first things first, you have to forgive me a little. Normally, I have this beautiful hiding space up here they call a pulpit. Um, So I feel very exposed this morning. So if I happen to walk just a little too close to any of you, I'm sorry. Um, But second, I have a very important question to ask you all. Do you recognize these folks? Yes, we all recognize these folks. If you don't, this is a picture of Chip and Joanna Gaines. So for years, right, hosted Fixer Upper, partnering with folks to take the worst home in the best neighborhood and make it beautiful, right? So why are Chip and Joanna Gaines the opening image for this talk? Well, <coughs> this is why. How many of you, you've watched this show, right? I, I get that. You are right. Well, if you haven't, this is what happens almost in every episode. In at least one of the homes they go into, they all walk in the door, you know, and they're looking at the floor plan in this, and one of the rooms has carpet. It's normally the first floor, and everybody, inevitably, you hear this immediately, like, hold on, hold on. It's wood. We have, there's real wood under this carpet, right? (laughs) This is like the big moment. Why? Because everybody loves us, right? Everybody loves them some real wood flooring. You go into an old home and you see these deep, rich planks, right? They have all these dings and little dents in them. They last forever. They're made out of this really hard wood, right? This hickory or this maple or this oak. They can be finished again and again. They have all this character. They add character to the home. I like real wood floors a lot. My wife likes real wood floors a lot. Let me tell you about what we have in our home. (laughs) So we have a wonderful home we're super thankful for. When we moved there, we had this click-together hardwood. You guys know what I'm talking about, the laminate? So this stuff is very high quality. Basically what they did is they said, let's get some wood, put it together, and on the top we have this little thin veneer of real wood. Right? It looks really nice. And then you flip over the board, and underneath, you have like another quarter inch of just pressed board, right? This weak, like, stuff, and it's awesome, right? You put it in, it clicks together, you're super happy. A few years ago, we even decided to extend our kitchen into our living room. We matched this, we put it all the way down, did this whole thing. It's awesome, except I can tell you one thing. (coughs) We have kids, Uh, We also have me, (laughs) right? Uh, So I drop things. You know, plates, cups, my kids jump up and down. We have things hitting the floor all the time, things being dragged across them. The kitchen chair, you know, company's over, you bring it across. So you get these marks, right? And if this was hardwood, I'd be like, cool, like, this is going to look great someday. But normally how this ends is with one of us with a brown Crayola marker trying to color in the dents so nobody can see it, (laughs) right? Because these can't be refinished, right? They can't be refinished at all, right? We... We wish we could have at the time just replaced the whole thing with these real wood floors, right? These floors, this wood that can take dings and dents and build this character and be refinished once our kids leave the house, right? This is what we would have loved to have. But, you know, we don't, but we like this. So, so why, why real wood floors this morning, right? Why are we talking about real wood floors? Well, we have this thing. We love this idea of this... Real wood that can be dented and dinged and brought back to life, brought back sort of to its authentic self. And if you doubt me on the the real wood thing, 
just to ask yourself what's the last thing you liked that was antiqued. Okay? The chest of drawers that even though you just brought it out of the new box at Ikea, looks like you pulled it out of a hundred-year-old house and revarnished it. Right? The jeans that look like they're from the 80s, and they have like 7,000 holes. I still don't know why we pay for jeans like this. Um, but you just took them off the rack. The Fender guitar, you can buy this guitar now. that looks like it's been on tour since the 70s, but it's never been played. Right? We love this idea of this dinged and dent and sort of beat up a little thing that be brought back to life that we can use, right? And there's a reason for that. Because somewhere in our souls, we all recognize that beautiful things, scarred and restored, are the hope of our lives. You see, we're all damaged real wood planks longing to be restored to our intended selves. So if we have this, if we have this damage, this dent, this scarring, we have to ask ourselves, where does this come from, right? What's, what's the reason? Where is it going to? And I think the first reason <clears throat> that we have it, we can all sort of agree on, whether we believe or not, right? We know the world is imperfect. This place is bent, right? It's broken. As Christians, we'd call this original sin, right? We were created to be in a perfect world. We were perfect people in a perfect world built to be in a perfect relationship with a perfect God, and then we fell, right? We know this. Romans 3, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we are in this place where we are this broken, dinged, damaged, bent people traveling through a world that looks exactly the same way. But as you've heard said up here a lot of times, at Covenant, it's okay if you're not okay, but it's not okay to stay there. Well, why is that? Well, that's because the authentic Christian is the one who realizes they're just as bent and broken as the rest of the world. We are all Christians with a limp. You know, I, uh, I will never forget, Mike Sanderson used to sit right over here, back behind Mike Morrow, and one Sunday morning I had this conversation with him, and I have no idea what we talked about. <laughs> but I do remember the one thing that he said to me. He said, Rob, we are all Christians with a limp. And it hit me really hard, partly because I respected Mike tremendously, this guy with this life experience, and partly it was way more real because if you guys remember Mike, Mike limped, right? He had his own physical ailments, and he limped often. You know, in fact, I was getting ready for this sermon, and I met with Kyle earlier this week at Starbucks, and we were talking, and I was like, I really want to really use this illustration because I think it's really important to talk about authenticity. And he said, you know, that's funny. When I came to Covenant, my first real interview, I sat down and the first sit-down question I was asked wasn't tell us about yourselves or this or anything. It was, what's your limp? He came to interview at Covenant, and the first thing that we asked him was, what's your limp? And you see, I think this is what epitomizes authenticity here. It's this question of, what is your limp? The fact that we're all Christians with a limp. Why? Because here we're not afraid to be real, to be open, to be honest about what life is, about what the world is like. Uh, <laughs> at the risk of going back to our old motto, we're real people serving a real God while we live in the real world. I mean, look at this church. We've been around for almost 50 years, founded by a group of folks on BGSU's campus that the Spirit took hold of, that prayed at Prout Chapel, that preached at Howard's bars and watched souls saved. We're real people here that started real ministries for real needs. 
the pregnancy center, the Christian academy, the food pantry. All these things came out of covenant because we're authentic people serving an authentic God, trying to meet the authentic needs of those around us. And if that's not real enough for you, this idea of being ding, dented, scarred by life as we go on, look around you. I know a ton of you, and I know even those that I don't have scars. And they're real scars here, whatever that happens to be, whether it's abuse, drugs, alcohol, sex, the death of children, anything. We have real scars in this room. And the most amazing thing is we have authentic people with real scars caring for other authentic people with real scars. And that is powerful because we all have those scars in life. And most of us, to be honest, and if we're real honest with ourselves, we do not like them. They're reminders of a past gone by. We carry them as hidden pains, as shameful reminders of days gone by. But we don't have to live that way, and we shouldn't live that way. And if we're not going to, we have to, you know, we have to take some steps. So first things first is we really need to say, hey, where do these scars come from? Where do these dings, these dents, where do they come from? And I think the first place they come from is they come from sin. Right? And if you want to talk about authenticity, right, if you want a primer and authenticity in the Christian life, just open up your Bibles to 1 John. It'll take you about 20 minutes. Read the book. That's the whole reason that book was written, to tell you what the authentic Christian life was like. In 1 John uh, chapter 1, we read this verse. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So the first place that our sin comes from, or our, our dents, our scars come from, is from the sin. We're all sinful. We've all sinned. We've been sinned against. This has scarred us in many ways. Right? So the point here is the authentic Christian is one who not only recognizes but confesses and repents of their sins before both God and man. Um, I know this verse really well, and it has stuck with me my whole life because of the way I grew up. So uh, every Sunday, I grew up in Pittsburgh. My family and I would get in the car, and we would drive 40 minutes to my grandmother's house. Because if any of you are from Pittsburgh or have visited, you know it takes exactly 40 minutes to get anywhere from anywhere. Okay? So we get in the car. We drive 40 minutes. We go pick up my grandmother. And then we drive another 20 minutes to this little tiny church that I went to for years called Mount Calvary Lutheran Church. Tiny church, maybe 30 people. I mean, I was almost a teenager at the time, and I think most of the congregation was probably 60 years older than me. But it was a great church, and we loved going there. And every week I would go, and I've always had this. You can ask my wife. She can attest to this. I have always had this sort of overdeveloped sense of God's holiness and how I cannot approach him, right? There's always something wrong. What did I do? What did I do this week, this day? Was I mean? Was I cruel? Did I have impure thoughts? Was it coarse joking? Did I say the wrong thing? What did I do, right? There was always some sinful thing, and every Sunday we would come in, and part of that Lutheran service is this thing called the confession and absolution of sins, right? So we would all together, right? You'd have your bulletin, and everybody would stand up, and together the congregation would say this, Holy God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended you, and for which I justly deserve your temporal and eternal punishment. I am heartily sorry for them and sincerely repent of them, and I pray thee of thy boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death, 
of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor, sinful being. Let me tell you something. When you come to church or anywhere you're going and you have that feeling like, I've screwed up, I'm not good enough, like I've missed the mark, saying those words has a huge impact. But I'll tell you what has the bigger impact, and that's what the pastor would say back. Upon your confession, I, by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God to all of you, and in the stead and by the command of the Lord Jesus Christ, forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's a powerful thing, because these scars, these dents, these dings that we carry ourselves through our own sinful nature are forgiven. So let me be the first to tell you, you know, we don't do something here like this at Covenant, but, but let me tell you, not because I'm on stage, not because I'm an elder, but because I'm a brother in Christ, you're forgiven. Whatever that was, it's gone. So please know that. And know that those scars you carry, caused by your own skin, sin, are gone. Not caused by your own skin. <laughs> but I do have to add one. I just want to add one caveat on here because I think it's good measure. Confession's a really important thing in the Christian life, to confess to God, to confess to each other. So let me just encourage you as a congregation, if you decide you need to confess, do it the right way. Confess to God. Confess to the people you've sinned against at the right time and in the right moment. If you need to share something with somebody, do it at the right, you know, just watch for timing. Don't be the one that blurts it out haphazardly in the middle of a prayer, right? Or overruns the dinner table because all of a sudden you're gushing, like this just overwhelming confession comes out. Do it the right way so you can have real healing and make real connection, right? So we can confess, but what about those who have sinned against us, right? This is actually the other part. People have sinned against us. They've scarred us. They've caused damage in our lives. It's emotional and physical. So what do we do with that? Well, the easiest answer is we remember the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Now, that, that is not an easy thing. That's, a, that's actually a really, really hard thing. In fact, that could be a sermon or a sermon series in itself, how to forgive those who have wronged you. But it's what we're called to do because authentic Christians forgive those who have scarred them and love them through the power of Christ. You see, Christ has called us higher. The bar is higher for us. In Matthew 5, we hear Christ say, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And in John 13, we have, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now, that's really hard. That's hard. How do you forgive the one that hurt you, the one that lied about you, the one that cheated you, the one that stole from you, the one that took your job from you? The one that said that thing to you that you just can't let go that keeps you awake at night? That thing that every time you see that person, you just well up and you walk away seething even though they don't know it happened. 
What is that thing and how do you forgive it? And that's, that's hard. That's an easy sentence to say, what I just said here. But that is hard. That is difficult. That is super messy and that can take a long time. But the fact of the matter is simple. We're called higher. God has set the bar higher. We are called to forgive those who have scarred us. So now there's a couple of you out there saying, okay, I get this, right? So, like, there's sin in the world. It's broken, sure. And I screw things up, yep. And other people screw things up for me, and yep. What about the stuff that doesn't feel like any of those? It's not sin. It's not something that someone did to me. It's not something that I did to someone else. Well, there's something we can say about that, too, because the authentic Christian knows that they're constantly being renewed and restored through the love of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. They long for the renewal of all things. In 2 Corinthians, you have this, right? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In Revelation 21:15, at the end of all things, Christ himself says it, Behold, I am making all things new. You see, this is the wonderful thing about these scars, these sort of dents and dings that we get walking through life. Um, The wonderful thing is that they remind us not just of who we are or what we've been through, but they point us to where we're going and what we can become. They remove imperfections. They grow our character. And that character building is something we all long for, whether we know it or not. So we have this character being developed in us, and we know that a lot of these scars aren't because of sin. They're maybe not because the world is broken. To be honest with you, they're scars placed by God himself to make you who you need to be, who he's planned you to be, the most perfect you, the most redeemed you, the most sanctified you. They're there simply to show God's glory. In the Gospel of John, we have the, the same story, right? Jesus was approached, why is this man blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. You see, some of these scars are from sin. Some are from life and other people. And some scars are from God. So let me ask you, what are your scars and what are they from? What's your limp? Are you a real wood Christian with depth and resilience that is constantly being renewed and restored? Or do you simply put on the veneer of Christianity, like a layer of engineered hardwood floor? Do you constantly see how Christ is renewing and restoring your scars, making them beautiful beyond imagination? Or do you hide them from the world with shame? Here at Covenant, we aim to be authentic. Right? An authentic community filled with authentic people who worship an authentic God. To us, that means that we all have a limp. We all bear the scars of this world in our lives. But the God we worship, never forget that he's the scar bearer. He bears the scars of the world and of our lives. He heals the scars of the world in our lives. And he restores us to who he has designed us to be since before the beginning of time. So here at Covenant, you don't need to be ashamed of your scars. You don't need to hide your limp. You only need to realize that your scars are beautiful. And that your limp, that was given to you by Christ to shape you into the best you. To help you relate to those around you and reach those around you 
in a real and authentic way with the real and authentic gospel of a real and authentic God. As you see, we, we are authentic. And we, we are covenant. But most of all, we, we are Christ's. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for the scars in our lives, for the way that you have shaped us and molded us into the people you long for us to be so that we can make an impact on the world for you. But more than our own scars, thank you for the scars of your son, for his bloodshed and his life restored so that we may be restored to you. We ask that you help us remember our scars that you show us how they are being made beautiful. And you let us know that we are truly forgiven and redeemed and refinished as we are being made new by you. In your name.